Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. All right. We are live. This is Wicked Spursy. This is Dave, Mike, and Steve. I want to start with Steve. It's an eventful day, Steve. Today, uh, just for the record, is Tuesday, the 19th of April. Couple big it's things that happened today. So, yeah. I'm Monday, cool. Yeah, 19th. see, it's been such a been such a weird day i got the day wrong it's it's monday the 19th of april steve how are you feeling on this 19th of april you know i i was i just picked up uh you know isaac from daycare and the entire drive i was expecting you to ask me this question and you know i came to the realization we played a game in the last week like we actually there was a soccer match that had players out there and it was a pretty crappy one too harry kane did some good stuff and I almost completely forgot that it happened. That's the kind of the day, the kind of week that it's been. Like Everton 2-2 is not even like, it just feels like it was weeks ago at this point. Yeah, no question. Although I seem to remember in our in our chat, somebody making the comment, like Jose looks like this is going to be his last game. Like that was his body language and look where we are. But yeah, that game feels miles away and, not even worth talking about, to be honest with you. Mike, how about you? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing uh, rather well. Uh, had a kind of crazy start to the day. Um, I woke up this morning after a long weekend of uh, work and sucking at golf. I mean, yard work and sucking at golf. Um, and uh, and I wasn't sure I wanted to go to work and I didn't know what was going on. I was a little tired from all the news last night and uh, on my way to work, I, uh, um, I get this WhatsApp text from uh, Steve with a link and I look at the link and I was like, holy shit. And as soon as I looked up and I was driving, I'm not going to lie to you for any of you policemen out there. Uh, I was looking <laughs> at my phone. I look up and all I see is a turkey probably about 25 feet up in the air so yeah and and he wasn't flying for flapping his wings <laughs> he was he flying because he he found the he found a front end of an suv and uh right so it all happened all at the same time where the turkey got hit and steve sent me the link that jose got fired and <laughs> all this stuff and i said oh my god this is the most amazing thing that's happened to me probably in months and then i actually had to put my windshield wipers on because of a cloud of feathers <laughs> so i knew it was going to be a pretty weird day and uh it turned out that it was a pretty weird day no question that's a good one you just made me think of my drive to work this morning you know i knew we were re recording this afternoon um I, I wanted to think about wrapping my heads around my head around my thoughts on, you know, the Jose piece and the Super League thing. And so I was intentionally listening to music because I think better when I'm listening to music. If I listen to a podcast, I, I have a hard time, you know, I can only focus on one thing at a time. I'm a guy. And uh, I had this really Vermont experience. It, it was a really <laughs> foggy morning in the area where I live, like a lot of river fog because of the, the air temperature differential. And uh, I'm cruising along and all of a sudden I see like, cows where cows are not supposed to be like total <laughs> deal like cows on the edge of the road just chilling doing their thing and it was super foggy and if you're not paying attention like 
you know, a deer will tear up a car. I can't imagine what a cow would do to a car. So I actually uh, thought, okay, what do I do about that? I can't control the cows, but I can call the police. So uh, I called the police. was like, hey, there's a little problem down here. You might want to get somebody down here to corral these cows. So very Vermonty experience for me this morning. Happens all the time up here in Georgia, all the time. We have a, we have a farm who's an habitual offender of the loose cow. <laughs> Man, I remember living in the Burlington area when uh, that happened to the Winooski Circle. A bunch of cows got off of somebody's trailer and they just completely destroyed traffic. And I mean, people don't know how to use a circle up here anyway, so that just made right. it that much worse. <laughs> Bad uh, stuff. Steve, in New England, we call them roundabouts and, uh, uh, yeah. and or rotaries. Rotaries if you're in uh, New Hampshire or Rhode Island. But a Jersey guy like Steve just calls it a circle, right? It's a just circle. a circle. Yeah. That's fair. We're very simple down there. We just look at the shape of it. That's true. Circles and exits. That's all they got in Jersey. You call <laughs> intersections pluses or what do you what do you call those, Steve? <laughs> Accidents waiting to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Mike, uh, I know we have some some friends at Goodwater we wanted to talk about. Uh, you, you willing to talk about them for a little bit? Absolutely. Um so this week I talked to Aaron and Marty down at Goodwater. Um, they've uh, agreed to um, be our sponsors. Um, so today's today's going to be the first uh, day that I've that I'm mentioning uh, Goodwater Brewery uh, on our podcast uh, in an official uh, in an official statement. So um, uh, Goodwater Brewery is down in Williston, Vermont. They uh, they 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 are the purveyors of. Uh, of fine ales um, in a state that's that's rich with ales um, and IPAs especially. Um, Goodwater kind of goes off of that off of that beaten path. They don't have just a bunch of uh, face melting IPAs. Uh, they uh, my favorite is the Staunch, which is a which is a uh, Kolsch style, um, very light, good lawnmower beer and. Um, my wife is a big fan of the radial symmetry, which is one of the double IPAs they have. Um, but they don't just make great beers. They have great food and great uh, um, event space uh, when time comes. So um, when we go down there, um, my son, my son's a big fan of, uh, of the pretzel knots, the loaded pretzel knots with the, with the cheese sauce. Um, they have a fantastic uh, soup. That's um that's an ale-based soup, a cheddar ale, um, a number of sandwiches, burgers, fries, uh, wings, anything you could expect to find at a at a at a good at a good beer spot. So, um, I think I, I would hope that weekly we will be able to to shout them out, um, get them a little business with our with our dozens of listeners, <laughs> um, and anytime you can drop into Goodwater Brewery. Um, they're always there with a smile, always happy to see you. Um, just make sure that, you know, if you're vaccinated, you tell them. If you're out of state and you want to go in there, make sure you tell them that you're vaccinated. Um, but and follow the rules. You know, I, those guys are fantastic people. Um, I've known them since they opened. And, and I can say that uh, they are also home to our Vermont Spurs um, supporters club. So um, that we will hopefully be broadcasting there someday once once COVID uh, rules allow. But they're open every single day from uh, 
not every single day. I'm sorry. They take Monday and Tuesday off because they work through the weekends. They brew on Monday and Tuesday, but Tuesday through Sunday, they're open and uh, go down there and grab yourself a nice cold one because gosh, darn it. We need a cold one every once in a while, especially with these spurs. No question. No, no question. Mike, and thanks for giving that shout. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to um, give props to Goodwater every time we get on and we appreciate them um, supporting us and we're going to support them. And like you said, when, when the conditions allow, we can get our, our Spurs supporters club together. That's going to be a fantastic home base. And for, for anybody who happens to be listening to us, who's not from Vermont, I think people know Vermont is a fantastic place to visit. It's a fantastic place to visit in the summer, in the fall and in the winter. We could debate about spring and mud season a little bit, but when you come to Vermont, you need to, get a few things and one of those things is, is classic Vermont beer and um, if you can go to a good place where your Spurs buddies are saying it's a place to go we would uh, we'd recommend it so keep good water on your list Steve any any thoughts yeah you know as as good as that cold style is which is my personal favorite as well um, honestly if they would just put that cheese sauce in a glass I would just drink it that stuff is so good so good. Best cheese sauce I've had so far in this state from anywhere that I've been. You guys are killing me right now with that. And, and Mike's muted, so I get to talk over him and we don't get to hear what he's saying. So Mike, on to you. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I was talking for no reason, apparently. My, uh, I was going to say full disclosure, my son did uh, did grab a spoon and eat the rest of his cheese sauce with the... Uh, so good. With the spoon. <laughs> so good. Very nice. Very nice. Well, hey guys, we got a couple big things to talk about. My, my logic says we should talk about the, the pressing pragmatic topic of the day first. And that would be the, uh, the canning of Jose Mourinho and then get to the existential crisis of the European super league and, and see where that takes us. So um, it's okay with you. Let's roll it, roll at it that way. Um, let's start with you, Mike. You, you talked a little bit about waking up this morning and killing a turkey. Um, what what were you thinking? Have you been thinking? And how have you processed today? What what's going on with uh, the manager and and how the club is moving forward? Well, first of all, I didn't kill the turkey, but it was the guy in front of me. <laughs> but um, it, it was it, it was I knew something. You know, I think we talked about it, right? I mean, I, I think we had these premonitions that it was going to end and it was going to end quickly. I thought it would actually, um, I thought it was going to come on the heels of, of the Manchester city game, uh, in the Carabao. Um, it came earlier, um, than I anticipated. So, you know, not be, not being very prepared for this type of a, a situation. I mean, ever really, I kind of, we kind of knew Potch was going to go, but we didn't know that, that Mourinho was going to come immediately. So, you know, um, I think we kind of all agreed at the beginning that Jose was, we were in with Jose. We we're going to support him. We, I, I, I think Spurs, Spurs folks are, we're kind of fickle, right? It's, it's good when it's going good. It's bad when it's bad. And, and we, in the past 15 games or 14 games, was it? we've had we we've had five wins um we've lost seven um and i th i think a lot of a lot of what happened with jose comes down to the fact that the the it it we weren't happy it wasn't it wasn't fun to watch as as fans and, and as much as we like to bag on daniel levy i i, I think 
he also wants he's i think he's a fan so he wants it to be fun to watch just like any fan does and when that's not happening he has an obligation to the fans of of tottenham hotspur to say enough is enough and in the end looking back we can now see what happened with jose Mourinho, and what happened was was that he alienated players. He he broke Deli Alley. I mean, he broke him. We 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 had a Deli Alley that might have had a flat tire at the time. He took that Deli Alley out on the road and drove him into the ground and broke him. Um, you know, he did some good things as far as the fitness of the team went. Harry Kane was relatively healthy until last weekend. Um, when he hurt both of his ankles, <laughs> um, you know, Sonny was relatively healthy uh, until a couple of weeks ago. Um, he really didn't give Vinicius or Gareth Bale time to to be able to shine the way that they were. I mean, Gareth Bale came in, had a phenomenal game, puts him out there the, the next week, and he didn't have a great game, and then. He disappeared. Uh, he didn't give Doherty his time. He he put Doherty in a spot where he wasn't comfortable, and he kind of broke Doherty too. Doherty might have been a decent player for us, but um, how many center back pairings have we had? I mean, the 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 arguments against Jose are innumerable at this point. But um, you know, it comes down to the fact that we kind of knew what we were going to get it was either going to be really good or it was going to be really bad. And at times it was, we were happy, but the style wasn't Tottenham Hotspur. And most of the time it, it, it was just not enjoyable football. It wasn't fun to watch at all. And like, you know, like we said, we don't want to sit here being three angry old men every <laughs> single week. And, and we've had what one enjoyable podcast where we had two wins, one, yeah, in one, one maybe where, two. Yeah, one near Europa where we beat like a Turkish team and then uh, a Romanian team. And uh, and then we beat maybe, uh, was Southampton maybe? I don't know. I, I, I can't remember that week because it was, feels like ages ago. But, I mean, the the Jose era is, is going to be looked upon pretty harshly, I think. Before I, before I go to you, Steve, I, I want to ask a question that maybe either of you know. We've been talking for weeks about that that disappearing Southampton game and where that was. I know that we've seen that on the schedule for this coming Wednesday in two days. But multiple things that I read today talked about how the caretaker manager's first game in charge is going to be against City on the 25th. And I kept thinking, like, where's that Wednesday game? Where's that in that conversation? Do either of you know anything about that? That, that was the anything. That was the. Uh, it was because of the FA Cup, right? Is why? Why? What do you mean? It was because of the. Well, FA that's Cup. why we didn't we didn't play them that week. Right, because, right. But when it's rescheduled now. Isn't it rescheduled for this Wednesday? Isn't it's supposed to be. That's that last I saw, and yeah. I've heard I've heard a number of like I've heard Alistair Gold talk about it. Okay. Um, and, and I, I think it's on. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure it's on. It's on for Wednesday. All right. Maybe I'm clueless. I'm being a bad host just without my facts. So you know. No, 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 no. Let's I, get I, that I, out of the way. Uh, Steve, Steve, how about you? Um, 
I'm, I'm curious, Steve, what you thought about the Mourinho firing, but I think we already know what we all think. And I think we know what everybody thinks. So I'm even more curious about what you think looking forward um, at this interim period. And even, you know, what's the move, that type of thing. Where's your head? Yeah. You know, this is a tricky one for a couple of reasons. I know, I know they came out and said that it's completely independent of the, uh, you know, super league conversation, um, but there is a piece of me that felt like, oh, if we give the fans something they've been asking for, maybe they won't be as mad at us. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy to me that a club like us can fire Jose Mourinho and make it the first club he's ever managed without a trophy. And that's not even the biggest takeaway for Spurs. Like, it's just, it, it's hard to process to a certain degree. Um, and, and, you know, I agree with Mike, I think like, like all of us Spurs fans, it's one of the things that, you know, the writing's been on the walls for a while. We all kind of expected it was going to come. It's a matter of when, not if, um, and looking forward, you know, a, a lot of the rumors, um, that are being thrown around out there are that this is essentially the time that Spurs decided to double down on their pursuit of Nagelsmann. You know, once Flick came out and said that, you know, he didn't want to be in charge of of, uh, Bayern Munich anymore um, and was planning to step down, you know, it it almost feels like Spurs decided, okay, well, now we're going to double down. We're going to pursue him with everything we've got and try to get our number one replacement on board as soon as we can. Uh, And that I I, I think that does make sense to a certain degree. Um, The thing that honestly surprised me the most is the choice in caretaker Ryan Mason, wow. Now there's somebody who has such a rich history with the club. And I am, I, I, I'm, I'm almost at a loss. Like I, he's, he's been, um, you know, with, with a youth setup managing that ever since he retired uh, from that absolutely devastating head injury. Um, so I honestly have absolutely no idea what this is going to look like for Spurs you know, I, I'm really, dare I say, excited for the Southampton game um, just because I feel like he is going to be somebody that the players are going to be happy to play for. You know, whether he gets the tactics right or not is is yet to be seen. You know, I've got absolutely no idea how he can perform tactically at, at, at this high of a level, but I can see players like, you know, even some of the French players like Winks um, going out there and being super jazzed to play for Ryan Mason. Um, well, I think he, it, he came up with Harry Kane, right? Yeah. The the same type of, yeah. Mean, I, I, yeah. I think, I think he's younger than Kane is, or is he not younger than Kane? What, what's his age right now? That's a good wow. question. Um, the internet. The inter- with that. Do we not have the internet at our fingers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's one of the, you know, he's one of those players. He was always, you know, he, I, I feel like he was for Spurs, like a, almost like a Winks type player where, you know, good rotation, but, you know, not necessarily going to be, you know, a, a, a superstar for us, right? Um, I, I don't think he really had that level of technical ability, but I always liked him as a player. I thought he was a, a great person to have in the squad. So I'm really happy that that's who they gave it to. Um, you know, I thought it was going to go to King for sure, who, by the way, was not sacrificed with the rest of the, he was, um, not. He was not, Ledley's still here. 
I think that yeah. I think that tells you a lot about what what happened, what went into hiring him too, and that Jose didn't have a choice on that. Yeah, so I, I'm right. super excited to see what what Mason does. I'm curious to see if this, um, you know, kind of all in approach for Nails Man is going to pay off or if it's almost too little too late he's going to buy her and we're just going to have to settle for number two and then who is number two you know you've seen a, a, a bunch of names thrown out there it's got to be brendan rogers i mean to I, me. you know I, I just don't like brendan rogers i i, well, I don't either but <laughs> you know i i i like ten hog i think he would be a really um interesting pickup and uh um who's that other one well, um, scott parker scott parker i would be okay with um, you know, I think he's another guy who would come in and he would really resonate with the players. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's but, a good, yeah, he's a well-dressed guy too. If you He's recall. a snappy dresser that, that, that uh, Scott Parker. It's true. It's true. My wife mentioned that this weekend when we were watching the phone match. Oh, be careful. That that's a hint to you that you need to dress better. So just well, yeah, yeah. wear that. Like, look at him. He's got a sweater <laughs> under his jacket. Yeah. That might, that <laughs> She's not throwing that out for no reason, man. You got you got to pay oh, attention. No, he's handsome. He's handsome. I'll give him that. Hey, so I, I want to ask you guys to react to this, and this is my approach today. I just want to throw thoughts out and have you react as as they fit in. And so one is like, is there a plan? You know, when when we reflect back on the Pochettino firing, which we all saw coming, you know, weeks and weeks, maybe even months in advance. You could say as soon as he started making weird comments at the Champions League final about walking away you know, we kind of saw that the, the writing was on the wall, but none of us expected the next day Mourinho to walk in the door and sign a contract, right? So that tells me that Pochettino was fired and it had been in the works for weeks. Um, one thing I've realized about these these big time owners and these big time money guys is they never don't have a plan. They, It's not like they're not in it with the attorneys. It's not like they're looking at the finances. It's not like they're laying groundwork for their next move so my question to you is um do you think levy's got to have a plan that's already in the works and if if he does have a plan that's already in the works would you would you make a bet on where you think it's going you know we're talking about what we'd like to see would you would you have any hunch on what you think he does yeah i mean with the way that this Mourinho era has gone down, it just, it, it screams to me like a vanity project more than anything else. Like it's something that he personally wanted at the expense of the fans to a certain degree. Um, Cause you know, I think we as Spurs fans all knew that Jose Mourinho was not going to be the guy who brought us the same attractive style of, of football that we've been used to, you know, under Pochettino and, and to, a lesser extent, you know, some of the other managers, uh, Redknapp, you know, uh, VS both. Um, but you know, it, it, we, I think we were willing to let that come and be a thing if he brought us results that obviously didn't happen. Um, so, you know, kind of in retrospect, looking back, it, it does feel like, you know, Levy's obviously been chasing this guy for, for years and years and years it was to him a vanity project, you know, and, and especially with the way some of the stuff has gone on um, with the club over the last 48 hours, it, it's starting to feel more and more like their plan, if there is one, is completely independent of the club itself, um, which can be a little worrying, but at the same time, and, and I think we'll talk about this a, a little more, there is a financial piece at, at play here which may be forcing their hand a little bit um so 
I've got some thoughts of my own there that I'm curious to get your guys' minds on. But to the question at hand, yeah, I, I he definitely has a plan. But in this case, I think it was more of a, you know, I've got the money, I've got the position, like, let me get the guy that I've always wanted uh, and see how it plays out. And, you know, it didn't work out. So now we got to move on from it. Very, very true. Good point. Mike, any thoughts on that? Um, I, I quite honestly, like as far as, uh, as far as what we might think happens uh, versus what we want to happen. Um, I want Nagelsman. I'm thinking it's probably not going to happen. Um, they're putting all their, they're going to put all their, all of their money and all of their chips in the, into one bag here and go after Nagelsman, obviously. Um, that said, I don't think Leipzig is going to, going to let him go to, to, to Bayern. Like it, it's kind of like saying, you know, it, in that league, you know, that's, that's a what three, four team league. Um, yeah. You know, so that's, that's like saying we're going to sell Harry Kane to Manchester city. <laughs> that's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to sell your biggest asset, your, your, your star asset to your rival. Um, you know, you so say if, that, but Dortmund sold Lewandowski to Bayern. They sold Goza to Bayern. You know, the, the precedent's there within well, Germany. I guess, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about Lewandowski, the Lewandowski yeah, situation. Um, maybe they thought they were going to, you know, Lewandowski was, you know. You know, to me, that's one of those I, things where they're saving face with the fans. I don't know if, you know, how serious they are about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think in the end, you're probably going to see somebody who's probably more experienced, um, not necessarily older, but definitely more experienced in, in, in English football. Um, Julie has been away. He had been away for um, a few years and didn't catch up to where the game went. So his, his style didn't work anymore. It's, it's kind of like in the NFL, you watch Romeo Cornell go from team to team to team, you know, and he has a measure of success, but it always ends up being like on the lower end of the 500 win win loss record. Um, you know, he's fantastic. He's a fantastic coordinator, but he, he's never going to be that, that uh, head coach. So, I mean, kind of like Josh McDaniel, huh? <laughs> Another situation, you know, you keep going back to, to daddy Belichick, you know, that's right. Keep going home. Um, Belichick never went back to daddy Parcells, right? Cause that's not who Bill is. Um, but um, all that said, like, I, I, I still think that you're going to end up seeing a, a, a someone who has been established in the Premier League at, at some point or currently, and I think it's probably going to be Brendan Rodgers. He's not the most exciting guy to see on the sidelines. He, uh, to me, reminds me of like a like a vampire. He's <laughs> it's just like really strange to watch. Like he's got no affect to him at all. Like he doesn't get excited when his team scores. Um. Uh, you know, and, and it was kind of kind of fun watching that that West Ham Newcastle game because both of those coaches, you know, the older fellas, who actually changed with the game, 
were so excited when their team scored for two different reasons. You know, one guy's trying to escape relegation. The other guy's trying to stay in the top four uh, for Champions League. So, I mean, I want to I want a coach that has that that fire and that excitement. That's why for me, my want, I would want somebody like Scott Parker. That guy is fired up constantly. He's he's like a super he's he's a, a super players coach. He likes to keep he likes to keep his players loose. He likes to keep, you know. Um, his players on his side and he trains them well. I mean, that team, if you watch that Fulham team, you wouldn't think that that would be a relegated team, but because they never stop, they never, ever stop. They just keep coming at you. And I, I think that's what we want out of our Spurs. And then you have a coach like that. I think that if you have a coach like that, and I understand that he's been relegated a couple of times as coach, but if you have a coach like that with a, with the talent that Spurs have and the money, the money to go get players that Fulham doesn't have, then I think you have a, a winning combination there. It's, I mean, it's a recipe for success. All right, Mike, you just provided a, a segue for us. I'm going to grab it while you provided it. Um, Cause you talked about money. So I do want to say, I want to go on the record. I've been saying since we started three months ago, talking about this, Nagelsmann is who I'd like to see, and I'd like to see Scott Parker as the next choice. If it's not Nagelsmann, that's just where I am. But let's talk money um, because the European Super League is all about money, right? And I, as I've been trying to wrap my head around like what this means to me and how do I feel about it, I've been trying to figure out how to feel about it. And what I realized is part of my problem with that is being American and the fact that I am... I'm a fan of English football. I'm not an English football fan. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and, and, and that means something, you know. Um, I've grown up in the, the capitalistic American sports environment, just like you two guys have. And that means different things. Not everything goes back to baseball, but I want to give you an example. So, you know, the Chicago White Sox are my team. When I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, this was late 80s, um, the owner of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, who also owns the Chicago Bulls, for those of you that didn't know that, um, Jerry Reinsdorf was looking for a stadium deal. He was looking to, to get a, a stadium built on, you know, a lot of taxpayer financing. And he was making all kinds of threats. One of the threats was that he was going to move the team out to the suburbs, actually to the town that I lived in and build a stadium in that town. And as a kid, I was like, that's freaking sweet. You know, I'll, I'll take that. But another big threat that had more legs was he was going to go to Sarasota, Florida with, with the White Sox. And there was all this talk about the Sarasota White Sox. And like, so as Americans, we're used to those types of things happening, right? The Baltimore Colts go to Indianapolis. The uh, Los Angeles Rams go to St. Louis, and then they go back to L.A. You know, the uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers go to L.A. You know what I mean? Like, we're used to that happening in the, the context of American sports because we, we're used to seeing the owner as the owner, and they get to do with their little toy what they want to do with their little toy. English football, European football, world football, it's a different type of concept, right? There's a different ownership that that the fans feel that the supporters feel um whether it's validated by the owners or not is debatable but there's a different type of ownership so for me it's been really interesting to watch this super league concept come up which i can wrap my head around and say well you know the premier league kind of did that in the early 90s you know they created their own top group to the the people that wanted to get in and they created the upper echelon which we can tell ourselves 
is like this egalitarian society where every team has a shot. But when Crystal Palace gets in the top four, you know, I'll be dead. We, we all know that, right? Like when Brighton, who I love to watch play, when they crack top four, you know, good luck. You know, so we know that there, there's a hierarchy even within the, the sanctity of the Premier League. And um, it's interesting to me to watch the reaction about the next new thing when the current thing used to be the next new thing. And in the late, in the late 90s, there was talks about this thing called a Super League that didn't really have, you know, um, as, as, as much maybe traction as it does now. So to me, it, again, it always comes back to the money. Steve, you made a couple comments a little bit ago about the money. So I want to hear what you have to say on it. You know, Dave, just to, just to be clear, Lester actually did pull something like that off not too long ago. They did, which is what made that so amazing, right? Like that's why that was so amazing because that's not supposed yeah. to happen. Well, this is, this is, this is what makes the, the argument now very, 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 very valid. Yeah, you know, it's the money is definitely the underlying issue here. There's no doubt about it. You know, the, the, the clubs who are involved in this, they clearly don't care about the fans because um, if they did, they would have listened to every single supporters trust that came out and said, don't you dare do this. Yeah, true. Uh, it's it's 100% a financial play. I, I, I don't think it would be as poorly received if it was a legitimate Champions League alternative. The problem that they have is this notion that the founding members can never drop from it. So all it is is just a way for 15, you know, 12, 15 teams to go in and just get paid, you know, $350 million every single year, you know, just in broadcast rights alone. And, you know, that, that just, it's bullshit to me. It really is. It's, it's, you know, for clubs like Manchester city who are essentially bankrolled by a country, like, right you don't need that money, right? You know, financial fair play is a joke. We all know that it's a joke because the, you know, the clubs that get punished for it, it's essentially a slap on the wrist. Um, so, you know, there's already a financial disparity in soccer as it stands. And if, if these clubs were to participate in the super league and get an extra $350 million on top of, cause they remember, they all want to stay in their domestic leagues too. So they would continue to get paid there. It would just further create a divide between these top clubs and everybody beneath them. And, and it's, it's complete and utter bullshit from a fan's perspective. Um, you know, all, all they're doing is just lining their own pockets. So the interesting thing for me, being a Spurs fan specifically, is from a business fight from a business perspective, it makes perfect sense. We financed a massive stadium and then we got completely fucked by COVID. I mean, we we were essentially relying on ticket sales. And, and merch and all the stuff, all the events going on at, at you know the new Spurs Stadium to essentially help Kloss out of debt. So you know, there's there's a part of me that's hoping beyond all hope that you know this is just Spurs saying, hey, you know, we don't have a choice. We need the money. This is the best way for us to get the money. Like you know, I'm sorry, fans, but we we need to do this for the sake of the club. 
the 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 pragmatic side of me says that it's just you know joe lewis and, and daniel levy saying fuck you to the fans we're gonna take the money i don't care what the fans say we'll find more fans elsewhere um but there is that small little you know childlike part of me that says you know maybe they're just doing this because you know we got to pay off the stadium debt somehow and you know it's it's easier for us to do it now and get the guaranteed revenue than it is to you know try to hedge our bets against it because you know it, it's one of the things that you know i've been talking about constantly ever since this decision came out um it's at this point the way it stands it's too big to fail you know you're talking massive clubs that have huge global markets involved you know manchester united massive worldwide real madrid you know juventus barcelona these are massive clubs they're going to bring in viewers they're going to bring in ad revenue for everybody involved it's a no-brainer the only way that you know and and let's say you know for argument's sake uefa fifo whoever they come in and say you play in this league no World Cup for you. You know, Fiorentino Perez, uh, president of uh, Real Madrid, and I think he's leading this whole charge now. He came out and said, fine, we'll start our own World Cup. They can do that. They you know, can. they've got the money. Yeah. They've got the players. It, it It's the only way this thing stops is if the players themselves come out and say, we are not participating in this. Then it's but, down on arrival. But Steve, why would the players say that, right? Would they say that for the integrity of the the domestic club game? I don't see that happening. Because well, players are motivated by money the same way that the owners are motivated by money. It's not about purity of right. sport. Well, that's that's exactly what we're going to find out, I think. You, you, you've got players like Bruno Fernandes who's come out and said, you know, you can't buy dreams or dreams cannot be bought. Um, so, you know, it's one thing to come out and say it. You know, jo- Joao Cancelo from Manchester City. There's somebody from AC Milan as well. Um, you know, it's one thing to come out and say, yeah, this is a bad idea. But are they going to actually do anything to prevent themselves from being involved? That's where it gets tricky, right? There, again, there's a part of me that really hopes that, you know, Harry Kane's going to come out and, you know, for all of, you know, everybody in England say this, I am not standing for this. I'm putting my foot down. You know, this is for the fans. And I, I honestly, I would love for somebody to come out and, and, and say that, but you're right. At the end of the day, it's a paycheck for them. It's their job. You know, if they're going to get money to do it, they'll do it, you know? And if they don't, somebody will. That's that's the nature of it. Mike, I'm coming to you, but Steve, here's here's a quick question for you. So what if Harry Kane came out and said, Spurs fans, I am Spurs for life. I'm signing a lifetime contract and we need to do this. We need to go and we need to compete among these other 12, 15 teams and be in this mix every year, all the time to bring in the revenue, to bring the glory because the game is about glory, right? Like what if, what if Harry Kane took that approach? Would that change the the fan base's mindset? No, I think it does two things. First, it's going to completely alienate him from fans. The fans, you know, the, the swift and um, decisive reaction that they've had, make it clear that they are not in favor of this whatsoever so all it's going to do is just taint harry kane's legacy the second thing it's going to do is ensure that the uh super league is successful because harry kane is a major player and if he's on board that's it game over you've got the captain of england who's willing to go through with it even at the expense of his captainship and 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 all that that just for me that says this is going to be a success financially 
it's going to completely fuck over the fans. But, you know, for clubs like Manchester City and and Man United and and Juventus who have billions and billions of dollars, I don't think they care about the fans. It's all about the money for them. And, and, you know, from a strictly financial perspective, it's a no-brainer. So Mike, what do you think? That's my take on it right now. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good take, Steve. I I okay. hear you. I hear you so uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, a little bit of uh, with, with this Harry Kane situation. Uh, Harry Kane, um, if for what he is, is a 100% facsimile of his of his role model, his mentor ish in sport, Tom Brady. He is 100% Tom Brady. He's not going to be for or against anything. Any, any kind of fantasy we have about, about uh, Harry Kane coming out and saying, fuck all about this situation because he knows it's going to either fuck his future or help his future. He doesn't know. He's not going to say a goddamn thing about it. So, so you're saying he's going to leave Spurs and go to like Tampa Bay? Is that what you're telling me? Or uh, enter Miami? Enter Miami. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, so no. My my guess is that Harry Kane's still probably gone, but I I don't think Harry Kane's going to say a goddamn thing. Um, so that he can protect his brand, you know. It for for what it's worth, he could have an HK10 fucking exercise and food system like tb12 but um so he's learned i i I give credit to tom brady because he's the greatest of all time probably one of the greatest athletes ever um and there are a lot of athletes who are following kind of in that model just to stay in the background don't say anything even though i'm a superstar in the league um that said this whole situation is driven by money. And I think it's a right now with the clubs that are there, I think it's a big fucking bluff. I think it's a big bluff. It's, it's a way to say, Hey, FIFA, Hey, UEFA, we see what the fuck you're doing. We're going to, we're not going to take it anymore. They keep taking the money and taking the money and taking the money, but these these other teams are seeing this and are saying we want some of this money too so we're the spot that we're in right now um where we owe the money on the stadium we have covid like this whole thing this whole thing is poorly timed and and, and not only that it's 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 really just um it's 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 poorly done it's like we talked about it's it's americanized it's an americanized capitalist system and it's 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 messing with the history and 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 what european soccer and football is all about um that said tottenham hotspur uh arsenal uh teams like that i you know those teams got on because we're not going to make europe next year we need money now. Arsenal's, Arsenal's fucked for years to come because of Arteta and because he doesn't know how to coach. He might have been a fine player, a nice player for them. He doesn't know how to coach. I don't know why they keep this guy on year after year when he's just leading them to mid-table. You know, uh, Tottenham, t- 
Tottenham's in a similar situation where they won't spend money on players um, to come in and shore up the team. So what happens then with these two teams, they need to, they need to latch on to something like this. And I think it's a, I think the whole thing is a big bluff. It really is. I don't think it's going to happen. I know Steve thinks it's going to happen because he thinks it's too big to fail. I heard that. Um, the classic Bernie Madoff. And uh, and uh, I, 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 I really think it's going to fail in the end. Um, but I, I think it's a wake up call to the organizations like FIFA and UEFA. And I think I'm a, this is a nice symmetry. I think I'm kind of a mix of both of your opinions and that's not, not trying to take the easy way out. You know, I mentioned, um, I mentioned earlier, owners aren't stupid. Owners know what they're doing. They know how to spend their money. They know where their legal counsel is. I am very comfortable saying that none of these big, big 12 owners uh, entered into this or made this statement thinking that UEFA or FIFA had the power to punish them through their players. You know, the they're balls, not, really. you know they're not going to yeah. make that, that move without knowing that they've got some legal standing to at least tie it up in the courts for a long stretch of time. You know, so that's one thing. Keep that in mind about big money guys. They're not afraid of going to go into court and taking the, the legal angle. The second thing is it may be a major bluff, right? Like this, this may be saying, listen, we're going to take our ball and go home unless we renegotiate some of these terms. And, and that makes me start to think about like the – that's where I think the American version of sport kind of falls by the wayside in this conversation. Cause like, let's, let's just look at the NFL for an example. You know, the, the NFL's owners are, they are in cahoots. They have agreements about revenue sharing and it's all set up and American sports leagues have parity, right? If you're the it's worst just, team yeah. in the league, you get the first draft pick the next year. It's like the old reserve clause in baseball. Exactly. International football doesn't have that, you know? And so that's, that's where, the Brightons and the palaces, you know, they never, they never benefit from not being in the top five, six, seven, or eight. They, they never benefit from that. They're just, there are teams that are forced to be happy to be mid table and take the revenue they can get, but it's not truly open because the teams at the top always have more money. I think we can look at Spurs and pretty comfortably say that there'd have to be an absolute catastrophe for Spurs to face relegation. They just have, too much money. They have too much access to players in order to get to that level. But there are other teams that that aren't going to ever have that luxury. And so the whole thing kind of falls apart that's, when, when we try to make the American versus the, the the world football comparison. And that's why I feel like it might be a bluff where these big money owners want to get more favorable dynamics for them. Maybe not abandon the, the domestic structures that are there, but they definitely want to get what they see as their share. And they don't want to go to an American kind of revenue sharing type of approach. That's that's well, my well, we know we know that man man U is man U is owned by uh by Americans. Um and and Arsenal that, by Americans. And Liverpool is owned mm-hmm. owned by my Boston Red Sox. So uh, I I mean fuck you Tom Werner. You know? Um, and LeBron too. He's, he's an owner of Liverpool. Uh, that's the, that's the, and that's the problem, right? Is that, is that these American, and I think, and I think that probably Tom Werner has a hand in this getting, getting a lot of these European teams. Isn't, I, I honestly think uh, Chelsea's owned by American, by an American too. No, nah, he's yeah. a Russian dude. A he's Russian. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus. There you go. But a bazillionaire from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, looking at this and you're going, 
they're trying to strong arm these old European standards. And we got our, we got our Russian on our shoulder here. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't understand the play other than to say, Hey, we know what you're doing. We want our cut too. And it is all about money. And it's all about for Tottenham. It's all about paying off our stadium for Arsenal. They're just the boys who want to ride in the wagon with us. And then the other three, the other four big teams in, in England are the four big teams in England. And it's it historically been that way. Um, but it, it comes down to greed. And greed and money are what's driving what's happening in our, in our world right now. Whether it's sport, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, it's all tied up together. And money is the big deal. And it was bad fucking timing for these idiots to do this because the fans are going to revolt and it's not going to happen. So I don't know the answer to this, but is this as big a deal in Germany, Spain, France? Um, although there's no French teams in the, in the, in the talks for this, although PSG could end up there, right? They um, will. They will. Is the, is this a big a deal in those countries? And to what extent does like the English concept of English football being the the top league the toughest league the most intense league in in what to what extent does that play out i'm kind of thinking about like if this super league becomes like major league baseball and all the other leagues are essentially the minor leagues that they draw from to to pull players for the super league like do the other countries care as much about as england cares about it what do you what do you guys think or know about that yeah i think they definitely do um Especially, uh, you know, like your Germany's, your France, even your Portugal's, um, they're they're heavily invested in these clubs. I mean, in some cases, like I'm thinking Benfica, uh, Sporting Lisbon, Porto, like those are massive clubs in Portugal. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they they could be arguably bigger than some of the English clubs that are in the Premier League right now in terms of fan support and loyalty if they ever felt betrayed by, by those clubs, I mean, it, it would be a significant impact to the soccer culture in those areas for sure. Um, Germany is the same way. I just see the Germany uh, side of things gets a little tricky because they've got that 50 plus one rule Yeah, they do. Um, that helps mitigate some of this, you know, financial uh, takeover crap that England's got to deal with. Um so even even that gets to make things a little trickier for for them but uh yeah some of these these more um you know like the, these portuguese these spanish like they're they're all in on their teams um and barcelona and, and real madrid aside i feel like there's something um you know completely different about those those types of teams as compared to like a villarreal or a valencia um, but I, I just, I see there being a lot of outrage, um, more so in these, in these countries where there aren't any participants yet, um, just because, you know, they, they want to hold on to the things that are near and dear to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and rightly so, uh, you know, it, 
this is this is a sport even in England. You know, it, it was a worker sport. It was something that you know anybody could pick up a ball and go out and play. And and you know, for for many years, um, it was it was a super affordable way uh, to be entertained. Right? Not so much recently when you know some of these uh, you know larger financial entities have pushed ticket prices up and made things you know a, a little more expensive for just the average worker. But uh, yeah, Dave, to answer your question, I, I honestly, I, I think there would be a massive uproar, even more so um, in some of these other countries um, than, than we see in England. I don't think there's a single, I can't think, at least off the top of my head, of a single country who would be like, you know what, I would be totally fine if my club, you know, just ditched the rest of our, our league and, and went to play for them. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot more culture to it than than I think we're used to. Uh just because like to, to the point you made at the, at the beginning of this, you know, we're used to the Americanized um, sports system. So it, it makes sense to us, but you know, you got to remember these are people, it, this is new to them. It doesn't make sense to them. It's complete crap. It's bullshit. Um, they, they wouldn't be interested in it. I, I yeah, know that yeah. much. Steve, I guess I was thinking about like, like Germany and I, I think you're right with your read on the situation, but I was thinking Germany, like, I don't know. I, I'm part German, but I can't say I can think like a German, right? Um, if if Munich, if Bayern left, you know, the the other club that would be a candidate wouldn't be Eintracht. I am sporting an Eintracht shirt today, just for the record. Um, but it, it would be Dortmund would be the the likely second candidate. But you know, I think that could even be debatable, just in terms of where they stand and things. But and so wondering, like, is the Bundesliga mad if Bayern leaves and they still have the other teams that are in the Bundesliga? Like, I I don't know how people feel in Germany, it, and it is different than like the top six teams in a twenty team league like England leaving. You know, like the the product that's left behind, so to speak, is maybe a different thing. I was just curious about how that plays out, and we won't know till we see it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, of course they're, of course they're mad. Um, if, if they leave, but I mean, there's gonna if 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 this if they follow through with this, there's gonna be five at least five more teams to follow, right? So they're expecting probably, probably uh, a Portuguese team or two, uh, probably the. Uh, Quite honestly, the only reason that PSG isn't in that list is because their president is a fucking member of the board of UEFA, you know, and he just actually, um, after uh, what Agnelli or whatever his name is left, uh, he's he was offered a new position, um, in the ECA. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't see that. Um, I, this is why I feel like it's a big bluff, like these big teams in France and Germany would be in this if they knew for a fact that this was going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a thing. That's, I mean, PSG would be right there. I don't care. They're, they're, they're just waiting for some sort of money to come into that team. They're in Paris for fuck's sake. I mean, it's, it's, it's like saying, it's like saying, you know, oh, Spurs don't want to be a part of this because we're we're all about the fans. No, they're all about these big city teams are about the money. They really are. I don't I, I don't care what anybody says. This is all about the money, and it's about and it's about Lewis and Levy for us. 
grabbing that money that they need to have so they don't have to put their equity in the team or their own money into this into this spot or have to sell you know part of their interest in the team this is this is a money grab or it's a power grab or it's both and the only way that this is ever going to stop in in football in general in in soccer in general is if we have a system like dare i say it another americanized system um which i believe they probably have i think they have in china too which is a hard salary cap otherwise you're just going to see more and more money millions and millions and billions of dollars just funneled into world soccer which causes more corruption throughout um if you don't have some sort of salary cap you're you're going to see these teams like the man cities and the liverpools and the manchester united's run all over everybody every fucking year and that's why it happens in france that's why france is a two-team league that's why germany is a four-team league that's why italy is a two three-team league every year right and that's why Man City and Liverpool are constantly there because they have this injection of money that's nonstop. Like the the Fenway Corporation is, they they can print money. You saw that in the Boston Red Sox for so many years. They don't give a shit where they are on that salary cap. They will keep keep paying that luxury tax to break that salary cap because they have so much money but after a while it becomes too much because of the way that the salary cap is structured and that luxury tax is structured that they're like okay we're not willing to do that anymore let's blow up the team and start over again so that we can win a world championship and still have the highest payroll you know and in 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 baseball it was a thing to keep up with the new york yankees and the steinbrenners because they had so much controlling interest over so many businesses. So like a, a hard salary cap is going to create even way more parity than we have now in, in soccer. But who's the first league that, that's willing to do that because of the corruption and greed that money causes? Hey, Steve, here's the question for you. And Mike, I'm coming to you with the same question. Steve, you are the owner of Spurs. Uh, you've owned them for 20 years. You've uh, built the stadium. You've led them through fiscal crisis. And this concept has been brewing in the background. What does is, what is Steve, the Spurs owner, do with this concept? And, and why do you make that decision? Look, I've been a Spurs fan since going back to like 2009 at this point. You know, I was there when we were mid-table. I was there when things were bleak and, you know, we had, you know, quite frankly, mediocre players playing, but they played their hearts out. And so for me in that situation, I got to say, I, I, would, I, I don't think I could be a part of that. You know, it, there's so much more, and, I, you know, I've talked about this, you know, in probably I think our first episode when we were talking why you Spurs. You know, for me, it's not, you know, this isn't about the money. It's not about playing the biggest teams over and over again. It's, it's about the, the rush, the thrill that you get 
from, you know, finally achieving a goal, um, you know, finally getting yourself into that top four conversation, you know, the fact that Spurs were able to do that on limited finance and, and, you know, the way that they did with that, quite frankly, not the greatest investment. Um, I mean, that was phenomenal to me. I loved being through every grueling part of it. I just, I think it's a complete cop-out and, and a sellout to, to just say, hey, you know what, we're going to choose the money and, and, you know, leave everything that we've built in the dust. You know, it just, it, it doesn't feel great to me. I, I can't get on board with it personally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it, it's easier said than done because I don't have billions of dollars tied up in it. Um, but, you know, Steve, the Spurs fan is coming into this, like, you know, I would much rather, you know, we be, we fall all the way to the fifth tier of England and have to work our way back up than to just take the hand out and be perennial rich club, uh, you know, signing the best players all the time. Cause if, in my opinion, that just sucks the heart and soul out of it. And, and I'm not about that. Hey, that's, that's the, that's the positioning I wanted to hear. I'm not even saying I necessarily agree with you, but I, I wanted to hear like somebody stake out what's more important being a, a fiscal juggernaut or having a, having a heart within the club and, and believing in the club. And so, yeah, Steve, hear you loud and clear. Mike, same question. Owner Mike, what is, what does he do? I think you can do both. Right. I, I, How do you do both? Let's hear it, man. You can, and, and no, I'll leave you with that. No, no, no. You, you can still endear yourself to a fan base and still want to make the money, but not this way. This is the wrong way to do this. Um, I, I, I keep coming back to it, but the Boston Red Sox did it. You know, they found a way to make a lot of fucking money with having good to mediocre players. You know, they, they did it in 2004. They did it in, in, in 2007. They were that all business team. They were built like the New York Yankees were in 2007. And then they blew it up because they were, their payroll was so high. And 2013 happened. They were bad for a couple of years. 2013 happened. And again, they built this team that was, that made the fan base love them. So I, I don't see that you can't do that. You don't have to suck for 10 years to, to be able to build a, a wonderful team. I mean, you know what? Look at Leeds. I, 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 I'm going to use them as an example because whatever turmoil Liverpool was going through today or in the last week making this decision, they just drew with Leeds. And this is an ongoing thing with Liverpool you know, this season, they're falling apart from what they were last season. They didn't put out the best team today to play, but I, I can tell you that like you can build a team that will win without having to spend billions of dollars, or you can spend billions of dollars and make billions of dollars if you want to and build a team that's going to be perennial. But if, if I'm the owner uh, of Spurs right now in this situation, I come out seeing the fan pressure from all over the world 
for every single one of these teams from their fan bases, especially the Manchester United fan base that I think in the Liverpool fan base that has been the most vocal on this. I think you come out right now as Daniel Levy. Well, maybe not Daniel Levy because you know, he's not going to come out and talk to the, talk to the public. Um, You send somebody out there, maybe your caretaker manager to say, we've made a mistake. We have hurt the fans in doing this. Here are the reasons we did this. You just need to tell the truth. These are the reasons we did this. If you come out, the team that comes out and does this first is going to be the team that people are going to endear themselves to. This is an, this is a perfect opportunity for them to say, we've made a mistake. The fans don't want this. We thought this is something that the fans would love. We thought this would be a product that the fans would love. We can make money at the same time doing it to help pay for the players that you want, the stadium that you want, but we've made a mistake. Please come back. Please love us because I'm telling you right now, the fan revolt is going to be too much for this whole situation to happen. That is a really compelling point, Mike. You know, last week when we were talking about issues of, of race, you know, we talked a little bit about how seeing Spurs kind of take the lead on owning, um, owning, finding solutions to that problem, right? Crazy how that problem now has been swept aside because, you know, there's financial interests at play. But um, there's something compelling to being the first one to say, yep, our bad, shouldn't have done that. You know, here's, here's the plan. I, I do want to say... I see this from both sides and here's how, here's the picture I would paint from both sides. I mean, I'm not, none of us have the financial wherewithal of Joe Lewis or Daniel Levy or Cronky or, you know, the Fenway group, like, you know, those, those people are really good at what they do. And when you look at it from a fiscal standpoint, like I get it, I get it. They're in it for the business side of things. It's about making money. You make the moves that are going to generate the most money and the most predictable money. And like, so I totally understand and I also understand the pressure you know the pressure of Spurs have wanted to play with those big boys and Spurs have positioned themselves to play with those big boys but if you if you want to be a big boy you know yeah you got to make this move now and that's that's a dilemma I think uh that's almost a moral dilemma in some ways which leads me to the other way I see it like I think of being a little kid and being a little kid and wanting to hang around the cool kids right and want to do whatever it took to be around the cool kids and it kind of feels to me like that's what spurs have been is they've been trying forever to get into that club and now they have a chance to get into that club and the the cool kids have um at least somewhat accepted them even though they know they can still beat up on them with some regularity they've been they've accepted them and um now there's like the classic hey let's jump off the cliff thing. And we all know that our mom would say, yeah, but if everybody else jumps off the cliff, are you going to do it? Right. We know what our mom wants us to do. Our mom wants us to make the right decision and not be an idiot. Um, and it feels like that's, this is the jump off the cliff moment. Um, are you going to do what the cool kids do and jump off the cliff? Or are you going to stand your ground and be a stand up kid? I'd like to see us stand our ground and be a stand up kid. I, I think that's the, the move that means the most and it has the most integrity in it and it plays best for the long term. But, it's going to be really, really compelling to see what happens. So, hey, with that, let's wrap this thing up. Let's hear some closing thoughts before we before we call it a day. Steve, any closing thoughts for us? I mean, I'm just I'm curious to see how the rest of this week plays out. I think there's a lot more that's going to be coming down the pipeline from all fronts. You know, manager, Super League, 
um, you know, we've got Southampton coming up. We got a cup final coming up. Almost forgot to mention those two, right? So, uh, <laughs> right. you know, uh, I think I just need to sit back and, and just take it all in and, and, you know, maybe next time we'll have a bit more information that we can play around with and, and um, you know, dive deeper into the subject. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, thanks, Steve. How about you, Mike? Closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, just to your thought, um, if if we're going to jump off the bridge, let's let's make our dirty little brother, Arsenal, jump off the bridge first. Or, or push him off first, right? We push him off the bridge. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, what Steve said, it, there's going to be a lot to unpack this week. Um, maybe next week on the pod, we'll talk about an actual game that happened um we won't have all this all this stuff to talk about but likely that won't happen um but i i i i really want to say that i enjoyed doing this with you guys and for the reasons that we all have differing opinions constantly we all have different ideas and it's i think it's pretty awesome that uh that we can sit here in this forum and get get along and uh and be able to talk about these stuffs and work this stuff and work our feelings out um it's a it's a great therapy session with you guys. But um, before I do go, I do still want to plug uh, Goodwater Brewery again. Um, they're on Facebook. Um, they're at GoodwaterBrewing.com. Um, give them a give them a, sh- a check out, and uh, if you see their if you see their beers in the store, grab some. The the red is fantastic beer, and uh, the chocolate porter is good. They have an oat pale ale that's also great. So. Um, another little shout out for them so um go see aaron and marty they're they're always gonna have a smile for you even behind those masks perfect so there are a few things we know one we will continue to rep Goodwater. we appreciate them and uh i appreciate us being able to talk about them second this will be the last pod that we ever talk about Mourinho as manager so uh, you know new era that we're going to be talking about moving forward Third, we will do this again next weekend and we'll have some matches to talk about. You know, who knows? Let's be optimistic. We we could have like a new manager bounce and have the, the Carabao Cup in hand next time we get together to do this. So that's exciting as well. But um, like like Mike said on the social media, we're on Twitter at Wicked Spursy. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you got any questions for us, podcast at wickedspursy.com on email. And uh, grateful for our dozens of listeners. I'm grateful for you guys. And as always, boys, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Go Ryan Mason.